Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is. Good. 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The 2 1. Swung line drive left field. One run is in. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, down here in Tampa, Florida. What an interesting week of in the sports world we've had the last seven, eight days or so. We have a World Series champion now heading back to Atlanta. We have more shakeup in the college football playoff. We've got some NFL drama with OBJ, Aaron Rodgers' comments concerning his COVID uh, test results. We've got some possible allegations against Dalvin Cook. Uh, In the boxing world, Canelo Alvarez gets it done over the weekend. I was in attendance at the Jake Paul press conference. He's going to be fighting in Tampa here in about a month. And so I'm going to give you some notes about the Jake Paul uh, card here in Tampa coming up. And we're also in last but not least, we're going to talk to Barry Smith. Barry is a former Florida State Seminole All-American wide receiver, former first-round NFL draft pick in the NFL. We're going to talk to him about his career, his involvement with the Florida Sports Hall of Fame, who are having their inductions uh, ceremony actually Wednesday night, November the 10th, here in South Florida. We have a, there's a great class of professional athletes and collegiate athletes that are being inducted into the Hall of Fame. So we're going to talk to all things Seminoles and Florida Sports Hall of Fame with Barry Smith. So a fun-packed episode for you. So let's get right to it. Remember, you can find me on social media at Sports on Twitter. And we'd love to hear your comments. If you have any suggestions? Uh, guest recommendations, things like that. We'd love to hear it. So again, at Sports on Twitter. So, but let's start first with the Braves in the World Series. They get it done game six last week. They finished off the Houston Astros. Max Freed with a big effort. Jorge Soler is your World Series MVP. Braves win in six games. Dusty Baker once again jilted from his World Series title. This is the second time, uh, second or third time he's been in the World Series as a manager, and it's come up short uh, yet again. So full credit to the Braves, full credit to Alex Anthopoulos, the GM, for revamping the roster around the trade deadline, especially the outfield. All the major contributors in the outfield were acquired at the deadline. Duvall, Soler, Jock Peterson, Rosario, all those guys were acquired at the trade deadline. So give Anthopolis and the Brave organization credit for going for it, staying in it. The team was very much middling around 500 at the trade deadline, but they were in a winnable division. They went through the Milwaukee Brewers. They went through the Dodgers, and then they took care of the Houston Astros. So congratulations to the Atlanta Braves and my boy DJ Chuck J. My boy Chuck J is the DJ for the Braves in Battery Park there at the stadium. All he's he was he was instrumental in providing all the music and entertainment in all the playoff games and such. So shout out to my boy Chuck J. My man Michael Irvin on the flag football field. So congrats. I don't think they're going to give you a, a, a World Series ring, but that's okay. So, let's go to the college football playoff. Some interesting new rankings. The the second set of rankings were released on Tuesday. The big change was, obviously, you had Michigan State and Wake Forest losing last week. Michigan State losing at Purdue. Purdue is the the giant killers this year. Um, They beat Iowa, who was currently ranked number two at the time. They beat number three, Michigan State. So... Good job, Jeff Brom and the Boilermakers for getting it done. Big upset. 
I like their team. Good little team they got there. But the big shakeup in the in the in the rankings: Georgia one, Alabama two. By the way, Alabama escaped against LSU. LSU had every chance in the world to potentially tie the game or win the game. Some questionable decision making by Mr. Orgeron. That was so well said by my man T.J. Reeves on the radio broadcast. So um, should have kicked a field goal midway through the fourth quarter. Could have got to within twenty to seventeen which would have allowed you to then kick a field goal later on the last drive to tie it. Uh, but they don't do that. Uh, Orgeron goes for it, doesn't make it, and obviously doesn't score on the last drive either. So Alabama escapes in Tuscaloosa 20-14. to Very surprised that Alabama wasn't ready to play and didn't put on a little bit better performance, but they remain number two. Oregon stays at number three. They win a, they win a hard-fought game at Washington the news out of that game is the Washington coach, Jimmy Lake, gets suspended by the university following an incident with one of his players during the game. Apparently, he hit him in the helmet, pushed him, some some kind of physical altercation uh, by Lake on one of his players. So, Jimmy Lake suspended for one game. It's not a good look. You know, they've not, they've not, they've underachieved at Washington since Lake's been there. So, who knows how this might end, but... Uh, that's how the Oregon gets it done again, escapes. Uh, Seattle, again, tough place to play, so give them credit for winning. Ohio State, number four. They they win in at Lincoln, beat Nebraska. Close game as well. Nebraska plays well yet again, plays close yet again, but loses. Cincinnati, they escape again. They have a goal line stand at home against Tulsa to avoid a major upset. They actually move up to number five which I was a little surprised at there. Number six is Michigan. This is the team I want to talk about. I think Michigan is the team that is most dangerous here to, to spoil the party. I think Michigan is going to have opportunities here. They're going to have Penn State and Ohio State here at the end. If they were to beat both those teams, I think Michigan will jump Cincinnati and get, in, and get into that number four spot. Remember, Michigan lost to Michigan State. Michigan State is now ranked below Michigan one spot. Um, even though they beat them head to head. So I think, you know, if you look at the Michigan team, I think Michigan's got the most opportunity here to make the biggest move. Wake Forest loses. Oklahoma is still undefeated. They've got an opportunity, obviously, if they keep winning, they've got the, the a little bit of a gauntlet coming up here with teams they have to beat at the end of the year and in the Big 12 championship game. So uh, interesting, uh, again, Cincinnati's five. Cincinnati actually comes to Tampa Friday night to play South Florida down here. So big favorites, but what Cincinnati needs to start doing, they need to start rolling some people and stop winning these games by seven to 10 points. They need to start beating some people by three and four touchdowns. And they may not have the team to do it, but that's what they need to do to, to put a little bit of uh, uh, spice on their, on their resume because who they're playing is not going to spice up their resume much here the rest of the way. So, um, that Houston team who Cincinnati has will have to play here uh, down the road. They just got done beating South Florida down here. That's a pretty decent team. So that's a team that could beat that could potentially upset Cincinnati. But Cincinnati better start beating some people pretty good as opposed to just skating by uh, if they will have they won't have any hope of the playoff. But the team to look out for, in my opinion, is Michigan as we head through November because they're the team that can. Have, that has some big games on their schedule remaining that they can do some damage. So look out for Michigan. All right, before we get to the NFL, I'll talk about heading over to Amelie Arena on Monday of this week to, to cover the Jake Paul uh, press conference. Jake Paul, those of you that, that are YouTubers, he's the YouTube uh, uh, guy that is turning into a boxer. He is going to be boxing in Tampa on December the 18th at Amelie Arena. He's kind of the headliner. It's not a championship fight, but he's going to be fighting Tyson Fury's uh, half-brother, um, Tommy Fury, out of England. So they had Tommy Fury on a Zoom call. They had Jake Paul in person. I covered the press conference. Jake Paul's trying to get some respect in the boxing world. He's had a couple of fights, three or four fights. Now he's actually fighting a legitimate fighter who's had a who's got a fighting background, boxing background, and not an MMA background. So we'll see how Jake Paul uh, responds in December. On the undercard is Amanda Serrano. She's the she's like the number two rated female bo fight boxer in the world. 
She's out of Brooklyn, New York. She was very pleasant to talk to. Talked to Amanda for a couple of minutes as well. So, uh, but that's going to be the headliner at the Amelie Arena, December 18th, Showtime pay-per-view event. Showtime put on the press conference this week. So, uh, we'll be interested to see how that goes. So, if you're a boxing fan in the Tampa Bay area, put it on your calendar for December the 18th. Again, no world titles are on the line, but will be an interesting uh, card, just to say the least, to see if Jake Paul continue can continue his rise in the boxing uh, arena. So, NFL, notes and things. Not a fun week to be Aaron Rodgers. You, you go on, uh, you test positive. You basically, on all indications that you've, you've misled and kind of misled the media. He didn't mislead his organization. The Packers have known all along that he wasn't vaccinated, but he was very coy and very, uh, very, uh, again, misleading in, in his terminology he used back in August at his press conference saying that he was immunized. Rodgers goes on the Pat McAfee uh, sh show for like an hour almost and explains his point of views, some very you know interesting points. I don't necessarily agree with a lot of them. You know, he has all this research. He he claims that he has he has an allergy. He claims he's nervous about, um, you know, there being an issue with the vaccine related to his sterility. If he wants to have children down the road and all that kind of good stuff, blah blah blah. He didn't get vaccinated. He didn't play in Kansas City. It looked did not look very good for Jordan Love. Not very. If you're a Green Bay Packer fan, Jordan Love is not quite ready to play yet uh, on, a, on a big level. He was very average at best, uh, struggled with, uh, you know, just doing some basic things that you got to do at the quarterback position. Um, he then had a rebuttal conversation with Pat McAfee on Tuesday of this week, trying to clarify a couple things, trying to, you know, get his, get his head out of the sand because he's taken a beating over the last several days through the media, through people throughout the sports world and throughout the medical world about his comments a week or so back on McAfee's show. He tried to clean it up. I don't think he did a great job with it, but uh, he was fined $15,000 from the league. The Packers were fined $300,000 because of the the, the protocol uh, discrepancies that they that they weren't following. So, uh, and, and most importantly, from on the on the field, he, po he potentially cost the Packers an opportunity at home field advantage. They probably would have won the game in Kansas City if Rodgers plays. They lost 13-7. The defense played really well to keep the Chiefs at 13, but the offense could not score until late in the game um, to get to 13-7. couple special team errors, missed field goal, botched hold. Um, that led to the demise of the Packers. So hopefully that, you know, I, I, almost, I hope that the Packers don't get home field advantage because of that game. It'll serve him right. Rodgers, you know, he, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room all the time. You know, he, he seems like he's he acts like he's a medical expert and all these things. So not a big fan of what, the, you know, Rodgers is supposed to be cleared on Saturday. If he passes all the tests, he'll be cleared on Saturday in order to play Sunday against the Seahawks. The return of Russell Wilson this week. So that'll be interesting. That'll be an interesting matchup in Lambeau. We'll be interesting to see what the reception is to Roger, to Rogers by the Lambeau crowd if he's able to play on Sunday. So we that that will be an interesting uh, introduction when that happens, and that'll be kind of the prime time game, I believe, on Fox Sunday afternoon, four thirty in Lambeau. So uh, allegations have surfaced about Dalvin Cook being involved in a possible assault of a former girlfriend. There's, there's differing reports out there. Did, did da, the allegations that Dalvin assaulted her? He's making an allegation that she assaulted him and tried to extort money out of him. So we'll see how that unfolds here throughout the week. It'll be interesting to see if Dalvin Cook plays on Sunday. Um, you know, if there's, I'm sure there's investigations going on right now by the police department up in Minneapolis as well as the NFL will probably stick their, their head in this and try to get some information about this as well. So that's something to keep an eye on. If you remember, Dalvin Cook did have some, uh, there was some chatter when he came out of college that he wasn't hanging around with the best crowd of people when he was in and around Florida State, people that he grew up with. 
so which kind of caused his draft stock to be affected a little bit. So hopefully there's no uh, there's no negative uh, uh, issues here with with Dalvin, but keep an eye out on that because that's a story that's probably going to be developing in the next couple few days. OBJ is free. He and the Browns have finally come to an agreement to release him. He was released on Monday. You know, obviously last week the dad came out with the video uh, showing that uh, allegedly 11 minutes worth of video of of OBJ being open all the time. You knew that wasn't going to be good. You knew that was going to end nasty in Cleveland when he's ripping the quarterback, Baker Mayfield, and all that stuff. You knew that was was not going to end well, and it didn't. He was released. Finally, they came to a, a negotiated settlement. He cleared waivers. He's now a free agent. Chatter about a couple of places. I think the I think the two places you're gonna see, one of two places you'll see him, either New Orleans or New England. And the reason I say that, one, he wants to play for a a contending team, so all the non-contenders are out. Two, he wants to be the number one option. He wants to be the number one receiver to be able to prove to people he can still play. If he goes to a place like Seattle, even a Tampa, which he's not gonna, they're not gonna sign him. He's gonna be the second or third option in those situations. If he goes to a place like Baltimore, where they're very run centric, he's gonna, he's gonna be a a, a secondary option. Um, you know, he wants to go somewhere. I think to show that he can be the number one receiver. New England needs receiver help. New Orleans needs receiver help big time. They do not have a number one receiver on their roster. I think he'll end up in New England because New England probably has the the best path to get a good seed in the AFC as opposed to New Orleans in the NFC. Remember, he is a Louisiana kid, so the New Orleans angle is, is definitely a possibility. You know, you have Simeon and you have uh, Taysom Hill at quarterback. That's a little bit maybe something that might be a little bit of an issue. But in New England, you do have Mac Jones. You have the structure of Belichick and McDaniels. I think he'll end up in New England, kind of like the Randy Moss situation from, you know, 14, 15 years ago when the Raiders unloaded Moss to the Patriots. Same kind of deal. He was a little bit of a malcontent in Cleveland, um, comes to New England and blows up. So I don't know if he'll blow up in New England, but I think he could be a very, very good receiver in New England for them, and they need the help. They got a good running game. They got good tight ends. Their defense is playing really, really well. So look, I think you're going to see OBJ in New England before it's all said and done. Um, NFL docket this week. There's a couple of good games. Again, full credit to the Tennessee Titans last week. Huge win on the road Sunday night in Los Angeles. They smacked the uh, the Los Angeles Rams. So major, major uh, applause to Mike Vrabel and company getting it done in Tennessee. I like this team. The defense is getting better. Tannehill's playing better. You're getting Julio Jones, A.J. Brown healthy. They brought in Adrian Peterson, Deontay Foreman to be the running backs for the Derrick Henry injury. So keep an eye out on Tennessee. That is a team on the rise. Kansas City heads to Vegas. That's a big game on Sunday night this week. You've got Seattle in Green Bay. You've got um, New Orleans and Tennessee is an interesting game in Nashville. Uh, you have Cleveland, of all places, Cleveland goes to New England. So you could potentially have OBJ, if he were to sign in New England, potentially play against Cleveland this week. Wouldn't that be some storylines in Foxborough on Sunday? So some interesting uh, storylines, to say the least, as we head into week number 10 of the National Football League. So we are getting close to the end. Last thing I'll say before we get to Barry Smith, again, Florida Sports Hall of Fame having their induction this week uh, on Wednesday night down in Doral at the Doral Resort. And Barry's going to talk about that. But some big names getting inducted in the Florida Sports Hall of Fame. Al Leiter, Ed Reed, Dara Torres, the Olympic swimmer, and Alonzo Mourning are kind of the headline headliners going into the Florida Sports Hall of Fame. So You'll hear about all of that stuff, as well as the career and Barry's opinions about Florida State football. So we're going to talk to Barry Smith, former All-American and first-round draft pick of the Green Bay Packers, next on the Powers on Sports podcast. Check out my new podcast called the No Quarter Given Podcast, where myself and Peter Blake 
we give a historical analysis of all the Buck opponents throughout the regular season. Week to week, every opponent that the Bucks will play this year, we will do a podcast on a historical overview of the rivalry between the Bucks and this week's opponent. So f- subscribe, rate, and review to the No Quarter Given podcast on all your podcast platforms. Thanks for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. And now a word from our podcast sponsor, Titan Home Lending. For all of your home financing needs anywhere in the state of Florida, whether it's a purchase or a refinance, reach out to Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. Titan Home Lending is based in Tampa, Florida. We can help you with FHA, conventional, renovation loans, jumbo loans, and virtually anything in between. So reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. We are here for another week of episode of an episode. We got a couple of uh, great interviews lined up for you. And first off, we are going to be talking to Barry Smith. You say Barry Smith. Who's Barry Smith? Well, Barry Smith's pretty, pretty, pretty important person in the world of Florida athletics, Florida State football. First team All-American 1972. First round draft pick of the Green Bay Packers. He's a Florida State wide receiving legend. He is the past president of the Florida, Florida Sports Hall of Fame. They're celebrating their 60th anniversary this week. They are doing their enshrinement down in Miami at the Doral Resort this week on Wednesday night. They got a great class that we're going to talk about here for a little bit, but I want to welcome in Barry Smith to the podcast. Thanks for coming in, Barry. Well, Jason, uh, thanks for the invitation. Uh, Always love talking sports, especially when we're talking about the state of Florida, which, uh, you know, I'm born and raised here in this state. You know, I'm a a native uh, out of Miami. And uh, th- th- there's no better place than to be in this great state, especially right, you know, here in the Tampa Bay area where I live uh, with, uh, you know, the Rays and the Lightning and the Bucks. Uh, we, you know, right. Tampa Bay, Champa Bay. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Not bad. So yep. how, did, how did Barry Smith get from Miami to Tallahassee back in the what night, late 1960s, early 1970s? How did, oh, that, Lord, how did that recruitment happen? Well, you know, the, from the, the collegiate standpoint, you know, like you said, I played, you know, down in Miami at a, at a brand new high school, Miami Coral, Miami Coral Park. Uh, some people, uh, they forget me. They think I'm from Coral Gables High School, which actually were, they were perennial powers back then and all that. But uh, uh, it was actually pretty simple. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate to be re- recruited by a lot of uh, universities. Uh, my dad wanted me to stay in Miami. I was actually born and raised to be a Miami hurricane. <laughs> Started going to games in 1959 when I was eight years old and uh, and really loved the old Orange Bowl and, you know, being a Kane fan. But, uh, you know, when it started getting that time to make decisions, you know, uh, I, I wanted to leave Miami. I wanted to, you know, go somewhere else. Uh, sniffed around some different places. Actually came extremely close to signing with the University of Tennessee because uh, not only did I play football, but I ran the high hurdles. And I was a state champion, actually, in the the night, uh, the National Junior Olympics. I finished eighth in the country. And, uh, and Tennessee had, had and still does a tremendous track football relationship. And uh, Bill Battle was the guy that recruited me. But yeah. And, and FSU was like 1A, let's say. It was 1 and 1A, you know, Tennessee and, and all that. Uh, love Florida State, and and really I got uh, started following them uh, in '64. There was a guy named Fred Boletnikoff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, it was interesting also because back in the day, when FSU and Miami played, and they played every year, all of the games were played in Miami because Miami refused to go to Tallahassee. So you know, it wasn't big enough, big time enough. So FSU. So while I'm Really, a Miami <laughs> Hurricane fan, I'm watching FSU come down every year and play, you know, the, the Canes. And so I was kind of familiar with the program. And anyway, when it came down to it, I said, would I want to live in the state of Tennessee when my playing days were over? And I go, no way, because I love Florida. Okay. I love everything about Florida. 
And uh, so I said, well, it's going to be real easy. I'll go to Florida State. Uh, the little asterisk is my dad said, you can go to anywhere you want in the country except one university. And that was the University of Florida. He said, you cannot go to Florida. I, I will not sign any paper. Uh, you know, even if that's the only scholarship you could have, you're not going to Florida. You know, which is, uh, it was interesting. But there's some other stories around that. We'll call it the sins of the father. That's a whole nother thing. But anyway, <laughs> so that's how I wound up in Tallahassee. And I, I absolutely loved it. I was there, you know, uh, freshman in 69. We couldn't play varsity back then. So right. we were part of a group. Uh, we were known as the Green Turds. Uh, and, and, and I lovingly say that, and I'm proud to have been a green turd because, you know, back in the day, we were the meat squad. We had, we were the scout squad and ran against the varsity. And so, but you know, the, the right. defense is wearing their garnet jerseys and the offense is wearing their white jerseys varsity, all of the freshman players, we had to wear dark green jerseys. Wow. And so that's why we were known as the green turds. I got you. That's it. That's there it. You go. So that's how I went up in Tallahassee. And I know you, I know this year, I, I remember I saw you and I, you and I talked a couple months ago at an event. You guys had a big celebration this year, right? You, yes, you, we did. You, uh, you reconnected with some old teammates up in Tallahassee. Yes. Uh, 50 years ago this season. So the 1971 season. Wow. Um, we played our 1971 uh, FSU football team. We played in the inaugural Fiesta Bowl. Wow. against Arizona State. Uh, it was the first time for that bowl game out, you know, out in Phoenix. Uh, it was actually that bowl game was set up for the WAC champion, okay? The Western Athletic Conference, Arizona yep. State was the team, you know, back then. And it was hilarious because, so we had to go from, you know, from Tallahassee, fly it all the way out to Scottsdale to play against Arizona State. We played in their stadium. Right. And it was a home game for them. You know, but it was a whack champion. And of course, all the officials were whack officials. <laughs> Anyways, uh, they did wind up beating us 45-38. It was a real barn burner. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we baptized the game. Um, uh, Danny White, who was a quarterback for Arizona State, will tell you. Went that play, real quick. Danny, Danny, White, Danny White played for the Cowboys following Roger Stahl back in the 80s. That is correct. That Danny, Danny White. White. Uh, we had him on a, a podcast a couple months ago talking about that game. And he goes, Barn on all the games I've ever played with, high school, college, pro, that was the most exciting game that I ever played in. Okay. And of course, for our side, we had uh, Gary Huff. You know, Gary Huff was All American at Florida State, played with the Chicago Bears, and was the Bucks quarterback. Right. In 77, when they won their first two games, he was he led them to their first two victories. Right. But uh, anyway, yes, it was wonderful to see. We had like 41 guys come back. That's great. Uh, and some of the guys you really we hadn't seen in 50 years. And it was just magic. It was a magic time. It was my junior year and a very special time. And uh, it was also the, the first time that what was what was also exciting about that game. It was the first time that FSU had uh, uh, black athletes playing for Florida State to represent our university. We have four of those guys, uh, 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 Charlie Hunt, Eddie McMillan, Bobby Anderson, and JT Thomas, who wound up playing with the Steelers, and he's got four Super Bowl rings. Wow. That. Uh, it, it, was, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's, that's a great story. So you were a 1972 All-American. You left Florida State as a fantastic, you know, fantastic college career. First of all, how do they tell you – how did they tell, how'd you find out you got drafted? Well, you know, I, I enjoy, I always tune in, you know, the first night of the draft, the NFL draft to see all the pomp and pageantry. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's hilarious because back in our day, first, the draft was actually the end of January. Okay. All right. The, you know, the end of January, uh, I was in my little apartment, uh, little apartment and uh, sitting, you know, in, in a sofa with the phone sitting next to me. There were no cell phones. Right. It was a, you know, a rotator dial type deal. No, <laughs> right ES, by. no there, ESPN. There were party lines. Yeah, there were no call waiting party lines, you know. And then we knew the draft started at 10 o'clock. So you just sat there until <laughs> the phone rang. Okay. Now at 10 05, the phone rang and I'm going, there's no way that I'm going to be like the, the number one choice picked up. It was a buddy, you know, calling, Hey, did you get drafted yet? You know, I'm hung up, you know, get off the line. <laughs> you know, anyway, you know, later in the day, uh, yes, I was the, uh, I was the first round choice, 21st player pick in that draft, but it was just, uh, 
uh, an inside person with the Packers calling saying, hey, this is, you know, like Jiggy Schmaha for the Green Bay Packers. Just want to let you know you've been selected by the Packers uh, for, you know, and we'll get back to you. <laughs> that, that, that was it, you know, and, and it was hilarious. Um, uh, I can tell you some other stories like, you know, uh, a lot of guys were out partying and all that stuff. We were fortunate we had a number of guys get selected, you know, in that draft. Uh, but it was then that's really it. There was no pomp and pageantry. Right. That was my po- that was my point is how how benign and how vanilla put the hat on you in the jersey to come out and you know you were gonna be instantaneously a mega millionaire. Okay. Right. It was uh listen, back what was in your the signing day, bonus. What was your signing bonus? Fifty thousand dollars. Okay. That's fifty thousand bucks. And let me tell you, I can tell you, Chuck Foreman, Burgess Owens, we were all right around the same thing. Everybody made fifty grand. You know, hey, fifty grand. I was like, awesome. Are you kidding me? Most guys, you had jobs in the off season because right. you know, yeah, you, you weren't really making that much money, you know. Uh, but you know what? We do it all over again. Loved it. A tremendous, you know, it was a tremendous experience. And we're, you know, talk, we're, we're not done with your career. I just wanted to get your draft experience. I want to get, I got, I just want to get your, your draft night experience. All right. You were at Florida State pre Bobby Bowden. So yes. you just finished before Coach Bowden had got there. Obviously, I know over the years you've gotten to know him and gotten to know him. And obviously, with him just passing in the last few months, just your thoughts on Coach Bowden and what he transformed that program from when you were there, when you guys were building it, to where he took it to? Well, first of all, to me, nobody can ever say enough about Bobby Bowden. Uh, And from a football sense, you know, his record speaks for itself, okay? Incredible head coach. Um, And I think what he did so well is, I mean, to me, more importantly, was the man that he was because it, here's the difference when, okay, when he was, it, you know, it was tough to let him go, so to speak, you know, like just like Landry and Shula, and, you know, yeah. you know, it's just time to move on. And, you know, Bobby's got a heart of a warrior. There's no, no question about that. That, I mean, every one of his former players rallied behind him. They all love Bobby Bowden. I can't tell you that about some of the coaches I played for that we all loved our head coach or right. we all loved. Okay. Uh, Bobby Bowden, they all loved him because he was also a father figure. I know you've heard that, but in so many times of talking to coach Bowden, he goes, there's more to life than playing football. Okay. Right. I mean, playing football is giving these kids a chance to get an education. You know, a lot of them, it was the first time in their family that they would ever go to college. Okay. But more importantly, he felt that it was to become leaders in the community, you know, uh, uh, great husbands, more importantly, great fathers, right. you know, and then be active in your community and to give back. And I think without a doubt, uh, uh, that's what he accomplished, you know, more so than just winning games. It was the man that he was and the leadership that he gave to these kids. And I, I, right now, I think that in some areas, there's, there's a shortfall in that right now in our, in our, I just say in our society. Okay. In my opinion. And, and, and how Bobby was in the same community for so long. He, he could have left many, many times, I'm sure for a different job, whether it was, um, you know, I, I know he wasn't, there was some talk of in the mid eighties, him going to Alabama, potentially. I'm sure there were some other behind the scene offers that he, we never heard about where he could have gone other places and for him to stay in Tallahassee for as long as he did and keep doing what he did. It was, is pretty special. Well, again, I'll say, you know, when you think about how Bobby came to FSU, um, how short-sighted West Virginia was to kick him out, actually, you know, ran him out because he was winning up there. Okay. Right. He was building a good program, but whatever reason, and uh, how lucky fortune I say that God blessed Florida state university right. uh, with Bobby. I no question. He had many opportunities, you know, and like the university of Florida did think about when Steve Spurrier Spurrier had a chance to go back to Florida. Right. Uh, and obviously he was an icon. I mean, n- nobody had ever accomplished at the University of Florida, what Steve Spurrier did, okay, for that university. And then when they decided to, well, you can interview for the job, 
Right. Well, he already he's already got a resume. He doesn't need the interview. Well, basically the same thing. And what happened was at the University of Alabama, uh, because Bobby had always made it known because he's from Alabama. I mean, oh, I, I, we all get it. He said, if I had a chance to go to Alabama, I'm going. And nobody could, you know, right. feel bad about that. And then all of a sudden, here he is. He's on his way. Then realizes he was going for an interview. And he goes, uh-uh. You know, he said, you know, turned the car around and that was it. Right. You're not going to do an interview. Uh, and you know what? Thank you, Alabama. Right. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Alabama. So, no, but no, no uh, we're all going to miss Bobby Bowden. And uh, he's just uh, a wonderful human being. But the legacy that he has left behind, we'll call it the living legacy, sure. all these thousands oh. of players. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right. Let's talk about the state of Florida State football today. Coach yep. Norvell, Coach Norvell's in his second year. You know, Rocky last year, a rocky start this year, but they've they've kind of turned things around the last four or five weeks as far as playing much better. You probably have met Coach Norvell on a couple of occasions, I'm sure. sure. What what are your just your general thoughts of Coach Norvell and kind of where where the program's going, where he's taking it? Well, first, without you know, uh, you know what's past is past. You can't undo what it, what is past. Uh, I will say that uh, Coach Norvell inherited a very very difficult situation uh i like to say basically by the time he got there the cupboard was bare okay uh the cupboard was bare um and then to come in and all of a sudden the covid issue hits right and so you're so think about you can't even go through a spring practice right okay you can't have you know you can't recruit anything you know, and, 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 you know, in the springtime, that's when you really evaluate every one of your players. Okay. To find out, you know, are they the real deal that might be, you know, and you kind of, all right. And so we, you never had that. Okay. And then, so again, I'll just say, because the culture that had, he had inherited right players and all that. So last year was a difficult year. Yes. It was very hard to watch. Right. You know, uh, you know, we all over universities and, uh, you know, we should all be whatever university w- went went to. You should be passionate about yours. OK, uh, this year, uh, much improved, much improved. Uh, you know, the the win loss isn't quite there yet. But other than I think pretty much uh, I think the Wake Forest game, we've been we have been in all the games. You know, last year, we we're just getting our ass beat left and right. Right. OK, so. Right. We, we need to find a way to win, but at least we're in the game. Right. Okay. So right. technically we're doing better. Uh, we need some help in, in some players. It's like, right. you know, as somebody said, uh, okay, well, you know what? I, I like Novell a lot because I love his passion. I love his enthusiasm. He's doing it the right way. Uh, he, he's an, uh, you know what? It, you got he, he's team oriented and I think uh, some of the past players our team was more about me myself and I and you know you played ball you played yeah. football uh, most sports it's a team of right. one guy doesn't make the difference it's all about team and I can tell you as people ask me about my, my all-time favorite year and I'll say 71 and I wasn't necessarily the featured wide receiver because we had a nice receiving crew but I loved it because we weren't expected to win. We did win. We had some exciting games, and we were very close to being undefeated that year. And uh, and so it was just a, a special time. So because it's about team. In the end, you forget about wins and losses and and your records. It's about that the journey that you have. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's and especially at the college level. That's Absolutely. where the you know the yeah. lifelong friends are developed. The camaraderie, Absolutely. it's different at the professional level because it's a money, it's a business and it's more right. a money thing. Whereas at college level, this is where, like you said, you, you, you the guys you've known for 50 years, you played with 50 years ago are the guys yep. you call on the phone today or can send an email to or whatever you need to do. And they'll, you guys can pick up right where you left off from the last time you saw each other. Hey, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say I love my teammates from Florida yeah. State. No, Everyone, wonderful guys. Yep. Absolutely. No, absolutely. That's just, what are your thoughts of the players now that have the ability to kind of go out and make, get their own marketing deals and make some money while they're in college? Well, first of all, I, it's like a catch 22. First of all, I'll say, I love the idea 
uh, of doing that, okay? And uh, God bless them, okay? I'm a capitalist and, and let's do it. Um, I What I would say is that I feel that the, un the, first of all, you knew this was coming, okay? It's no surprise this was happening, you know, when back when, uh, uh, let's say the power fives basically broke away from the typical, you know, NCAA to five, form the, the bowl championship series and all that. Right. When that happened, because I'm, I'm a traditional guy, I think, hey, you go to school to get an education, right. and football is a way to make that happen. That's why I, I didn't have money to go you know, pay for an education, so I had to work my way through by playing football, okay? When they started paying, and I'll just say, again, my opinion, ridiculous amounts of money to head coaches right. and then to, to athletic directors and building the, you know, uh, you know, the bigger, you know, I got to keep up with the Joneses, all the money. Now you realize how much money was coming into those colleges. Okay. Yep. But yet they weren't sharing any of that with the players. And listen, I, Hey, I don't care how good any of these head coaches are. It's the players. Right. I'm going to a game. I'm not, I don't want to watch Lou Saban walk to the sidelines. <laughs> you know, it's for the players. So I felt that what the NCAA, the NCAA is always, they react instead of being proactive. And I, to me, what they should have done is saying, okay, we're, we're going to take, you know, we're going to carve out this money and we're going to spread it out to, let's say, those universities that were in those power fives and incentivize because we want our kids to get an education. Right. So you can set up an annuity and every year that a kid is in college and he's making progress to his degree, you know, money X, Y, Z is put into an annuity somewhere. And so, okay, when you graduate, when you finish playing ball and when you graduate, whether it's in four or five years or you come back in 10 or 20, whatever it is, when you finish, here you go. So every kid gets, you know, a piece of the pie, right. but when universities held back, you know, and said, eh, 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 we're not going to worry about the players. Uh, sooner or later, hey, uh, I, hell, I would have done it. You know, <laughs> you start suing uh, because and yeah. you knew that they were going to win. OK, yeah. but here's here's one of the headaches that, that I see about this. OK. OK, let's say back when I, it, it's always been illegal to pay players, you know, alumni boosters cannot pay players. Remember, what are all handshakes, man? Right. Okay. I, I wish that I had that. Okay. <laughs> I can tell you that never happened. Okay. All right. I might've got, Hey, I got pictures of free beer and a, and a barbecue every now and then and all that, but you know, come on. All right. So, <laughs> so and this was seriously. So, you know, you couldn't pay players. Okay. Well now with this new, okay. Players can go cut their own deals. Well, now an alumni can basically let, put it this way. If I'm a, let's say I'm an assistant coach, head coach comes to me and says, okay, Jim, you got to go sign that wide receiver. Okay. And you got to find a sponsor for that wide receiver because he needs, because every other university is going to be doing it because the kid's going to be looking at not right. only maybe playing, but what, what deal can I get? Right. Okay. Well, see, now you go to the car dealer and say, Hey, Bob, would you put, XYZ's players face on a mug, you know, or a cup and just hand them out. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Let them, or let them drive a car, let lease them yeah, a car. Whatever it is. See? Yeah. So now it's like, so what happens is what's going to happen is two things. One, all right, those universities that, you know, say the have and have nots. Listen, there are universities that have incredible amounts of money because of just their base and all that stuff yeah. and other universities that don't. Right. Well, you're going to see those. And so now it's, it's going back to you. You've basically legalized paying players. Okay. Uh, and the other thing is, think about this, an offensive lineman, an offensive lineman as a wide receiver. If I don't have a great offensive lineman uh, uh, line that protects my quarterback, that gives him time to throw me the ball, how am I going to catch all those touchdown passes? But yet the deals for the most part, Wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs, they're going to get the deals, and they're going to forget. Nobody's going to sign an offensive lineman. The barbecue joint. The barbecue <laughs> joint. Right. Maybe the barbecue. So, you know, in the huddle, will that somewhere start right. creating problems? So right. universities better address that and, <laughs> and come up with something. That That's all. So uh, I guess getting back, there's a lot of challenges now. You know, more so when I played, I mean, come on. It was, you know, it was a whole different deal. 
a lot of challenges now. I got you. I got you. All right. Yep. So, you, so you transition to the National Football League. First round draft pick, Green Bay Packers, 1973. You play four years in the NFL. Obviously, you played for a famed franchise. What's one of the coolest things just about in general about you saying, I was a Green Bay Packer? Well, without hesitation, getting a chance to play for a historic franchise uh, was was very cool because everybody, I mean, especially then, they were winning the you know all those championships and the the early Super Bowls. Hell, uh, Super Bowl two, which they didn't call it Super Bowl yet until after the fourth one. Okay, but my dad took me to the Packers Raiders game that was there in Miami in the Orange Bowl. Okay, so I got the as a birthday. It was actually on my birthday. Um, but no, to play for Green Bay was wonderful. The fans are incredible. I enjoy going back every now and then to a game and, you know, and all that. Uh, a few years ago, we took the family, you know, all the, the kids and their spouses, and, and it was just a wonderful experience. Last year, what was very cool is the NFC Championship, the Bucks and the, and the Packers. Well, you know, the, the, uh, my son is a huge Buccaneer fan because he's raised here. Okay. Sure, sure. Uh, I am also a huge Buck fan, but I'm also, uh, you know, a huge Packer fan. Those are the two games that I watch, I, you know, and I enjoy. Uh, we got to go to the game, a father son awesome. trip to Lambeau. That's okay. Awesome. Uh, to, and it was very historic because I couldn't lose either way because no matter if the Bucks or the Packers <laughs> won, I was going to win. That's right. Know? But, but be honest with you, I, I was certainly pulling for the Bucks because. I live in this community. I'm Florida, okay? And I know what the franchise has been through and what it means to this area and, and to the state. And it was a very, very exciting. Um, playing at Green Bay, though, at the time that I, I was, was kind of like, you know what? Lombardi steps down, just like Bobby stepped down. And let's say, and, and oh, well, actually, when we, you know, when FSU had those three years before Bobby got there, thank God it was after me. Uh, that they weren't winning games and all that. It was a very difficult situation. Uh, as a wide receiver, the three years I was up at Green Bay, I caught uh, passes from nine different quarterbacks. Wow. Nine different quarterbacks. And, and it's not their fault. My yeah. it was just It was a very difficult time. They actually had played for Dan Devine the first two years. Uh, he had issues. I'll just say that, uh, he was, whoa, um, former Notre know. Dame, former Notre Dame coach, Dan Devine. Well, you know, it is, and this is the crazy stuff. So they ran him out of green Bay. They fired him at green Bay. He goes to Notre Dame, wins the national championship. Yeah. And, uh, you know, which is like, are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, I got to play for, I got to play for Bart Starr in 75, okay. you know, the prodigal son returns and all that and uh, enjoyed playing for Bart. Um, I've got a, a game ball from that was awarded to me by Bart Starr, um, and, and I tongue-in-cheek, because uh, we went in 75, we were 0-5, the Packers, and we went down to play the Dallas Cowboys uh, in Dallas in their stadium, and they were 5-0, and okay? So we were prohibitive. Uh, uh, you know, there's no way that we're going to beat the Dallas Cowboys. And we upset the Cowboys. And that was Bart Starr's first victory as a head coach in the NFL. And he gave the whole team a game ball, a nice. special game ball and all that. So, you know, after all these years, I just tell everybody, yeah, I caught three touchdown passes and, you know, won the game. But, <laughs> but, but uh, wonderful. Uh, you know, I got traded um, after three years of being up there. Uh, you know, the new franchise, the Buccaneers were coming in in 1976. Yep. Yep. And I had actually bought season tickets to the bucks even before i was ever down here because i said you know at some time i'm going to be back in florida and uh, i like the idea of you know of tampa i had you know buddies down here and you know why not and so i wanted you know so anyway uh i was you know picked up in the expansion draft because i told uh bart don't know what your plans are for me but i'd love to go to tampa yeah. and i had started for john mckay in the college all-star game they don't have that anymore but you know the right and so I knew him and, you know, the staff and all that stuff. Uh, but it turned out to be a very difficult year, as as we all know, 0-14. Uh, a lot how, of people, di how different was it going from such a structured organization like Green Bay probably was to Tampa, where it was brand new, everything was new, everybody was just trying to get their footing, just the whole operation of running a team and John McKay coming in from USC? 
Well, it was when I say uh, um, shit show. It's it, <laughs> a shit show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let put it this way. All right. Uh, uh, so McKay, obviously iconic uh, collegiate coach, Southern Cal national championships. And there's a big difference as Steve Spurrier and a lot of other coaches will tell you, even Lou Saban will tell you, coaching in the NFL is night and day from coaching in college. And so I think there was a learning curve because he brought a certain mentality, a USC mentality that, hey, we're going to do it this way. And uh, it, it didn't really work out too well. OK, let's let's put it that way. Um, a lot of people don't realize because, you know, we didn't have cell phones and ESPN and all that. So at the end of the year, I was uh, I was not happy. A lot of a lot of the older vets were not happy with what went on. Anyways, I was fortunate. I got traded to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and I had uh, I was a huge Miami Dolphin fan because I grew up in Miami. And in 1966, I was at the very first Miami Dolphins game. OK, when Joe Iyer took the kickoff, went 95 yards. But anyway, <laughs> and, and Shula had been communicating with me because I thought actually I was going to get drafted by by Miami. But they had won the Super Bowl. So they were following Green Bay. Right. Let's put it that way. Um Anyway, but uh, it's a the, the way luck would have it. However, during the preseason, I contracted polio, and that was the end of my career. Man. You know, so kind of like, kind of crashed and burned, baby. So it was uh, that was the end of that. But uh, you know, there was a time that uh, you know I had to learn how to walk again and all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, you move past that. You know, I'm thankful for. Uh, the years that I got to play in the NFL and football, sure. all that, and it, it's opened a lot of doors. And um, and uh, hey, I got a retirement from the NFL and benefits. That's, <laughs> so, that, yeah, so that's, you that's know. a nice thing. Uh, you know, nothing nothing like like today's, but uh, it, it's all good. You know, and just it's allowed me to um, uh, to meet a lot of great people over the years because uh, I love sports and I've always been able to blend business and sports together because let's face it the majority of americans especially american men uh that are business leaders you know a lot of them wish they could have played in the nfl <laughs> okay Absolutely. Absolutely. And so uh, they they enjoy you know that i've been able to uh connect those you know and make a real nice living you know that's that. that's, that's that's terrific and and yep. you know uh, obviously you know you're one of the few people in this world that can say they played four years in the nfl was a first round draft pick so no matter how long your career lasted, you had a hell of a hell of a run, and and uh, and obviously you got to finish your career back in the state of Florida, and you've created a business life for yourself. Let's get to the last part of what you're doing now. You've been right. very involved in the Florida Sports Hall of Fame. You were a past president from 2019 or 2015 to 19. You're now still heavily involved in the organization. Talk about the Florida Sports Hall of Fame. They're having. As the time of this recording, you just you just had your 60th presentation and enshrinement uh, down in Doral this this week. Talk about the Florida Sports Hall of Fame in the class of 2021. Well, obviously, our our board, our members were all very excited because we were not able to do anything in 2020. You know, COVID shut us down. Uh, it which was very frustrating because we had really built up. Uh, uh, a lot of momentum. Okay. And uh, again, we get back to the team. You know, I, I, I was able to surround myself with wonderful businessmen and women that uh, uh, knew, knew, knew how to grow this, this organization that we have. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, let me tell you some of the guys, uh, the individuals that are, that are coming in and, and that's why I got the glasses on. Cause I got, I, I can't remember all these things. Bill Diaz is coming in. Bill Diaz, university of Miami swimming and diving coach has put so many, uh, uh, Olympic gold medalists, uh, you know, for the United States, you yeah. know, up there. Um, Al Leiter, Al Leiter, one of yes. the greatest pitchers ever, uh, you know, uh, World Series champion a couple times, you know, uh, Roberto Longo from the Panthers, a tremendous Hockey goalkeeper. Yep. He's coming, yes, he's coming in, absolutely. Uh, Jim Morris, you know, from the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, I, I, I've lost track how many national championships he's won. Uh, uh, I, I wish that Florida State could figure a way to at least win one at some point in time. <laughs> uh, you know, Jim was able to do that. Um, uh, Alonzo Morning, I yes. mean, from the Miami Heat, what a great name. Yep. 
a great individual. As a matter of fact, I was down in Miami a few weeks ago, went to uh, one of my high school football games. I, I was in town and I went, they were playing Alonzo Morning High School and I was there wow. at, at, their, at his school, so to speak, you know, named after him down there. Nice. Uh, Ed Reed, you yeah. know, great, you know, Ravens and uh, great Miami uh, Hurricane. Hurricane. Yep. Coming in, uh, Dwight Stevenson, Miami Dolphins, already in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, last but not least, uh, great Gator swimmer and gold medalist, Dara Torres. Yes. <laughs> and so we have all of them will be there. One of the things that we do with our Hall of Fame, we have elections every year. OK, and let's say he or she may get elected to the class, to a specific class. And for whatever reason, they cannot make that enshrinement. OK, we don't enshrine them. I know is we give them five years to, you know, you got five years to, to attend one of our events because right. we don't want an event. We have eight people and one of eight up, you know, they, none of them can show up. Yeah. I go, no, uh, that's why we have a, so that's, that's the criteria. If you commit, you commit, you're there. And that's it. That's why our, our hall of fame enshrinements are special because all of the hall of fame members are there. And of course, a lot of the past winners are there and all that. So it's very special. And then we also have a, uh, you know, we uh, we designate uh, every year. We have a Fame for Fitness Award that we designate a specific charity that we we recognize is uh, working with, uh, uh, you know, kids and families and things like that, you know, organizations to help and will be recognized uh, sides, which is a, a tremendous group down there working with uh, youth. What is the what is the website if anybody wants to get involved with the Hall of Fame or contribute or be a part of, of the organization. Where, where can they find uh, This is really easy. Here's your acronym here, okay? Okay. Uh, FLA Sports HOF.org. There you go. Okay. FLA Sports HOF.org. There you go. And you can you can see all that. Yep. We're looking forward to especially 2022. Uh, we have a new incoming president, uh, Rick Hatcher. Uh, who runs the uh, the sports commission, sports authority down the Treasure Coast out of Port Port St. Lucie, yeah. and he has a two-year term. And we're very excited about that, and uh, a lot of thanks to our board members who have done a marvelous job. Well, that's a great class you have. I mean, a lot of big-time, very notice, known names, Lighter, Al Reed, Alonzo Mourning, Dwight Stevenson. I mean, that's a star-studded uh, enshrinement this year, so Indeed. you guys should be commended. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Jason. Well, well, Barry, it's been a pleasure, man. You've done great work over the years. I met you a couple months ago at a uh, high school event here in Tampa at a cigar factory. You and I chatted for a while. Well, hey, listen, remember, Tampa, Cigar City, baby. That's it. That's it. Yep, Barry, that was it. Love it. And Barry's wearing his Tampa Bay Buccaneers jersey as we're doing this it. interview. <laughs> so uh, and one more thing I'm going to mention about Barry. I'm going to brag on Barry. Barry... Barry's names on the Florida State softball and soccer team offices on campus. So thanks for the continued support at Florida State University. I know, uh, again, the soccer program, the softball program, are both doing great, great, great jobs uh, with the, in athletics over there in Tallahassee. And you've been a very hey, strong Jason. supporter of Florida Jason, State athletics. Well, thank you, Jason. If I can add, uh, that is the team building that sits uh, – you know, between our, our soccer and softball programs, the, the women's soccer and softball, which they've all been national champions. And uh, that building carries my name and my wife's name, Marianne Style. I'm very proud. And when we made that commitment a number of years ago, uh, a lot of people thought I was out of my mind. You go, you play football. Why wouldn't you support, you know, football? I go, well, for, for football, everybody supports a football program. Right. And, you know, we have a daughter, too. And uh, I'm a big proponent of uh, women's sports. And uh, and so we thought, you know what, if we made that commitment back then, and this was before they developed the national champions and all that, right. uh, we stepped up and, and uh, we just wanted to sort of lead in that direction. And uh, now we have national champions and we're uh, we, we love going and, and follow our ladies because they're just uh, they're they're wonderful representatives of our university. Yeah, the Florida State women's athletics in the last 10 years has really gone through the roof yep. as far as their competitiveness and winning national championships and all in bat whether it's basketball, soccer, softball, a lot of a lot of great programs. Yep. Actually, a girl that I went to high school with way back in the day, she was a she was a uh, big time track runner at Florida State when I was at Florida State, Peggy. 
Peggy Armand. She was a big time high jumper and track athlete. So I'm very familiar with, uh, you know, I, I've got some personal experience with people, people that I went to high school with it and followed me to Florida state and was ran, ran women's track at Florida state as well. So Barry, keep up the great work, man. Thank you. Great, great, great getting uh, to, to, to get some time with you. And good luck. I know you had a great Hall of Fame induction this year. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk real soon. Take care. Thank you, Jason. We'll Bye-bye. be right back on the Powers on Sports podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues, and we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.